Up, meeples. On today's show, we are talking about the wide range of game types that fall under the tabletop moniker, how the podcast format will be changing slightly going forward, and we welcome a not-so-new face to the show. Along with the return of all the weekly news and Kickstarter campaigns, this is the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community. Welcome back to the show guys, my name is Jason and I'm Ian and we are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. But before we start the show today we would just like to say a huge thank you to all of you for all of your support that you've shown us over our first month doing this podcast monarchy. It's been absolutely fantastic and the you know it's been lovely to hear all the pros and cons so far. We've had a few um, stumbles and a few technical issues along the way but we're hoping to get better with each show. Indeed we have yeah. Well you know I'm new to the editing thing so you know <laughs> I hope it hasn't been too bad for you guys. Ian and I have been having a conversation recently and we have decided to change the format of the podcast ever so slightly going forward from this point. Uh, we will continue to have our topical discussions on each show which will vary on subjects that encompasses the whole of the tabletop hobby from war games to board and card games and role play games as well. As players we dip in our toes into all of these different ponds and um, we feel it's only right to try and give them each their time to shine and as much as we know about them and from the people in our communities and and just show why we love our games and why other people love theirs as well. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, uh, we mentioned on our very first episode, we would like to do some interviews. By now, you would have all heard our interview last week with Paul. Absolute legend. Um, we would like to get some of you guys in here to actually have interviews with us. Tell us about your favourite games, what type of games you like. And your history in gaming. You know, exactly. That's just we... as fascinating to find everyone's stories into the, the genre as it is to find out why they like it. Without a doubt. I mean, I've known Paul for quite some time and I found out some new information last week. So it's always good to know new information. We will, of course, still be covering new stories interesting kickstarters and event information too but this will change ever so slightly so do listen out for that change i think you'll like what's coming and finally we've decided as we're gamers ourselves and we're always doing something related to the hobby we want to bring a new section into the show which i'd like to start with now and that's what games have we played this week so what games have we played this week well i I i'll start off with um I've, i've actually been pretty busy this week i've only managed to get in one game this week and that was including yourself yeah. which was uh part of our monday night online event we played downforce on tabletop simulator that's absolutely great fun it's it's up there as one of my all-time favorite games and it's slightly clunky on tabletop simulator but it's still just as much fun the silliness ensued very early on it's pretense of the game it's a racing game you start at the start of the game every player bids for their cars you then have a, d- a hand of cards that have up to all of the six colored cars on the cards and as you each turn each player has to play a card and move every car that's on that that card so for example it might be orange six blue five green four etc 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 so you'd move the you know the first car six the second car five and carry on and then as the race ensues, there are um three betting lines 
at that point in the game, you bet who you think is going to win. And at the end of the race, you get a payout for where your car finished. You get a payout for if your bets are correct, whether that car finished in first, second or third. And then you deduct the costs of the cars you purchased at the start. So the more cars you own, the more prize money you can end up from the end of the race. But the harder it is to get all of your cars across the finish line at the front. Without a doubt, yeah. And uh, the, the game, the game's a really good, fun game to play. Um, I believe it's one, uh, one to six players, is yep. it? Something like that. And two to six. Two, two to six players, yeah. It's a bit boring if you play it by yourself, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that game's not a solo game. <laughs> And yeah, because of that betting mechanic, it, it, it's brilliant because you don't have to win the race, you know. Um, and a perfect example would be the game that we played on Monday, which was, unbeknownst to everybody, I was actually betting on Ian's car. So I was kind of more helping him speed up the track just so that I could ensure he would win so that I would get maximum prize money. But my car kind of suffered. I think I came in fourth in yeah. the end, if I remember correctly. Unfortunately, it didn't win me the game. I came very close second. Ian actually... I may was... have bet on my myself for most of that race so having helped to bolster me across the finish line <laughs> meant I got maximum prize money I got a very cheap car at the start anyway and um, I got all of my bets perfect so I nearly had the perfect score in that race <laughs> exactly and it's very very rare that I actually help Ian in a game He's normally the person I like to uh, prod and poke quite a bit, but uh, and he, that... he gladly returned the favour in not helping me as soon as he had crossed the line. No, instead we proved that the car and last can still do well, and we made that finish third just in front of Jason's car, so all things well exactly. done. So really good, fun game that we played there. Have you played any other games this week? So I had the pleasure of trying a game called Set a Watch, which is a cooperative um, card and dice based game and the theme of the game is you're a group of adventurers sort of like Dungeons and Dragons style who are journeying between sort of two towns you have to go through nine days so nine waves of enemies and uh, each day one of your people has to look after your camp while the others fight off a wave of enemies that come at you so you have a limited use of skills your dice represent attack damage so you have to sort of mix between using your dice as damage and your skills to defeat a lane of enemies each round and you basically have to survive nine ways of, of enemies. Nice. Good game. Uh, we tried it on easy. It was, you know, we won it on, on easy fairly convincingly, but we could see how easily that game scaled up to something quite drastically difficult. Okay. Just with the changes that the difficulties in the menus actually have. Yeah. So thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm actually, we played this on Tabletop Simulator, uh, again, with the way the world is at the moment, but I am avidly looking to try and source myself a copy of that game. I enjoyed it that much. Those are the games that we played this week. Now, moving Moving on to our topical discussion of the week. So Ian and I were talking the other day and he raised a very valid point to me. We've been talking about various games and talking about the game genres etc on the show but we have never really discussed those genres at any great length. And I remember when I first started out in the hobby and had people talking to me about Euro games, war games and dexterity games and I couldn't understand a single word of it. It all sounded like gobbledygook to me so the topic of today's discussion is what is tabletop gaming and what are all the different types of games that fall under that banner yep so we started out by just a quick prod earlier on social media seeing what people thought from our local gaming group if someone says tabletop to you what what do you think comes up and we were not surprised but surprised as weird as that sounds that wargaming was the 
thing that featured most. And again, it got me and Jason thinking. So we sort of worked out, sort of broke it down. There's four real big types of tabletop gaming, but not limited to. You've got the war games, you've got board games, card games, and role-playing games. And um, again, we decided to sort of break these down, go for a little bit sport and say what each are and what, you know, how fur- how further you can advance all of these different um, genres themselves. That's right. So to, uh, to clarify, we are also in the same boat as most people when we refer to tabletop games without a doubt when I refer to a tabletop game I think war game there's there's no doubt in my mind I, I think something like Warhammer but again that's where we differ I think instantly to board games and my runner up is card games but that's because that's my background so yes yeah, so it, it does just show that tabletop really does. It, it covers everything. So we compiled the lists of categories and subgenres to discuss um, for each of the four key sections that make up the tabletop hobby. And I think we should start with the big boy in the camp, the one that everyone assimilates mainly to that tabletop moniker, and that is, of course, the war games. So with war gaming, you often see a large table with glorious scenery all darted across it, with a couple of army worth of miniatures all slogging it out with each other in some way shape or form but it does tend to differ from just that one traditional you know battlegrounds there are so many out there you know yeah without a doubt i mean obviously the main the main big boys in the camp are going to be the games workshop behemoths that are warhammer 40,000, the age of sigma or if you're like me and my background you had the old warhammer fantasy battles with hundreds and hundreds of miniatures on on the tables obviously the newer boys to the camp when it comes to ground based war games you you are fit talking about things like star wars legion marvel crisis protocol war machine is another one and all your historical uh, miniature based war games they're, yeah. they're all lumped into that category as well carrying on with the historical one there are a fair few sea-based war games out there one example i know of is a game called black seas but it's quite impressive to see like a blue play mat rolled out with an army of um, a fleet two fleets of boats duking it out on yeah. the waters i've got to admit it's, it's been something i've really wanted to try for a little while was a, was a proper sea-based um, miniatures game. I, I actually own the Games Workshop version that they did, which was uh, Dreadfleet, and I loved the idea of the game. I have owned it now. It's got to it's got to be five six years that I've owned that, and I've never played it. <laughs> it's sat there. It's gathering dust. It's about ten inches worth of dust on it now. Pile of shame. Very much the pile of shame, and it's it's right at the bottom because it's probably <laughs> been sat there the longest. <laughs> so obviously that's your your sea-based stuff. I know, obviously, another couple of behemoths that are based in the sky and beyond. Yeah. In space. You know, starting at the ground and going up. One of the games that I have played in the past is uh, called Wings of War. It's a very good game. It's kind of a precursor to X-Wing. It's a very, very similar style. You've got uh, Aeronautica Imperialis from Games Workshop. Of course, then you break into the fantasy flight behemoths that are Star Wars, X-Wing and Armada. Yep. Now, I know that you uh, you personally are an Armada player. So, uh, yeah. knowing that all the games are pretty similar, give us an idea of how something like that would work. So, again... Similar to how I described the um, sea battles, all of these air battle sort of games, same pretense that you have two fleets of craft um, and you have your different rules and regs on how they work. But like with most of these table t- the wargaming games full stop, it's all ruler based with dice for your attacks and uh, ranges and movement tools, you know, to see what you actually get capable of hitting. Yes. Um, I can use Armada as a good example. So Armada is taking it into the Star Wars universe, but instead of just flying a dogfight with the the starship, uh, the um, starfighters, you're going all the way up to capital ships. So your big ba- big bad star destroyers, 
versus your um, teeny weeny rebel ships that all darting in and out of each other. <laughs> but it's got a clever system of um, the big ships move a lot slower than obviously the smaller ones and are a lot less maneuverable. You have to you have command dice for what you're going to do each turn. The bigger the ship, the more of those uh, command dials. Sorry, the more of those dials you have, and the further in advance you have to plan. So there's less reaction speed, unlike the smaller nimble craft that get in. Um, and the game runs off of like an objective based sort of system. Mm. So whereas you have all of these low health low shielded rebel ships they might come in far more handy for particular missions where they've got to dart in pick something up and run away whereas this big slow star destroyer with 50 million guns on the side of it can blast these ships out of the sky but (laughs) can't keep up so there's some real fantastic stuff you have a lot of upgrades and things same with x-wing as well you've got your named pilots in there so your darth vaders and your luke skywalkers are all mixed in and all of this as well takes a long time armada has an average play time is something like two to three hours a match depending on how experienced you are and it's only six turn game yes so again these are sort of like the the far extremes of it but it is also a lot of fun yes without a doubt and uh, you touched on it a little bit there with the whole objective side of things most of the ground based games are for the most part from what I've seen uh, played out as basically slog fest you just go all out war shooting lines and all that you know all out last man standing however all of the games that we've mentioned today have the ability to be adapted and play with objectives yep. um, and to be honest for me that adds a, a whole new level to the gameplay I'm not one for standing there with a gun line just shooting it's not as fun it's alright occasionally but I much prefer having some kind of objective which is probably why I've really taken to Marvel Crisis Protocol because that is far more objective based you know ignoring the fact that it's Marvel and you know we love Marvel <laughs> and all that kind of stuff so yeah that's um that is uh wargaming yep next one i'm gonna bring in this is my big baby is trading card games so i'm gonna start out with a note to say um this is this isn't to confuse these with your off-the-shelf products of what we'll come to later of living card games um, and deck builders and things. Trading card games tend to uh, are small competitive games and they tend to be sort of obtained through like random boosters and things. So for example, the easiest example I can use is Pokemon. You have packs of 11 cards that you buy off the shelf. You're not guaranteed to get the same cards in any two packs. You know, they have different rarities and the odds of getting particular cards, you know, will, will vary. So the idea of that is you, the, the way the word trade comes in is you're supposed to like trade between each other to get the stuff to work in your combinations to make the best deck following the sets of rules that your game follows a lot of these have a huge variation in this some of the bigger card games like both magic and pokemon have what's called a yearly rotation for their main formats like uh for example both of them have what's called a standard format which is the most recent set of card you know set set of expansions are what you're able to pick your cards from for your deck yeah definitely and another couple of honorable mentions um with regards to uh, trading card games there would of course be Yu-Gi-Oh which is another very popular trading card game um, you had the introduction of the Transformers TCG yep. a couple of years ago that's pre- still picking up some steam now and uh, a game that we talked about a, f- a couple of episodes ago which was the impending Digimon game which is definitely but not so definitely coming to the UK I still have to unfortunately say the disclaimer is we still don't have any word on an English release yet the moment I know I will be a very excited person because as at this present 
present moment, they're continuously revealing cards for the next set in Japan, and this game just looks better and better as each set comes along. But that's another thing with trading card games. This every t- every new set, the cards just look better and better, and it gets you more and more excited to play. Another thing to notice with the style of the way these games work are there are hundreds of different ways you can play the same game. So, for example, there's a thing called a draft where you often um, just buy a f- few booster packs, and you can have varying t- um, game formats just using those boosters. Again, you can go into formats where older sets are allowed to make a bigger or a smaller card pool. You can make your own formats. You know, um, Magic the Gathering, one of the most popular ones for that is a thing called Commander, where you have a hundred card deck but you're only limited to one copy of any card other than the basic land system that game has to function. So, um, and your colours are locked by a commander card, which can be any card with a legendary trait on it, I think, or particular rules. I'm not a huge magic person, but I do follow it a little bit. But again, that's great fun. And that can go up to like four plus payers, whereas normal Mm. magic is 1v1. Yes. So again, that's sort of seen as the king of the formats for Magic the Gathering, but they've got standard, modern, brawl, legacy, you know, hundreds of different formats all with their own rule sets and you just adapt your deck of cards to follow those rule sets so uh, I think that just about covers the, the whole TCG and, and card games side of things yep. um, and just very quickly before we do move on something you will hear out there is TCG and CCG what is CCG and is there really a difference? So you've got trading card games is TCG and collectible card games is CCG. There are differences. Um, some of the games may have like a particular style of what you get out of the um, packs of things you buy. Again, we mentioned briefly living card games earlier as well. They come expansions where you're guaranteed particular cards in everything you buy, whereas the, the randomization and the luck side of it is much more current in trading card games but essentially a lot of these are very similar styled games yes cool okay so finally moving on to rpgs role play games again another thing i have thoroughly enjoyed i was very nervous when i first did my one of these because the idea of role playing a character wasn't something that came naturally to me but it's so much fun um so the basic pretense of a role playing game is you'll have one player lead a story and um continue to develop and create you a story to follow whereas the other players create their own characters and try their best to role play the characters that they have designed and created this allows you to just go into a immensely fun style of gaming where you can immerse yourself into a fictional character, do all sorts of crazy, wild, silly things that you might not have either the um, confidence to do in real life or physically not be allowed to do in real life. Um, you know and thoroughly just explore for fun with no sort of form of judgment or you know and trying to work as a team to achieve random goals you know you'll start off genuinely being on a scent on a quest to go and find someone or do something and quite often especially in Dungeons and Dragons you'll go through a dungeon and get attacked by a dragon you know it's It's funny that (laughs) (laughs) but it's good fun for the person um, running the game who's called the dungeon master or the DM um, because they get to have the joy of like setting challenges for people and watching people problem solve and how people, different people react and think and feel based on what they're doing and they can up and up or increase or decrease the difficulty level depending on how cocky people are getting or uh, messing around um, one of the ongoing jokes is if the DM smiles you're already in trouble um, <laughs> but um, it's fun for them because they obviously don't want to just wipe a group out of a story and make it no fun for anyone but on the same time you don't want to make people just walk through your thing and think you're easy so you make things as nasty and malicious as you can at the same time so it's a perfect balance 
But yeah, the way that this works is you generally have like a few books. So you have a, a, a player's book and then a dungeon master's book and creatures and things. They will then um, set out a game and it's usually things like dice-based combat, stuff like that, with a, a character card with stats that the, char- the players have made following the game's rules. And that's how you decide sort of how things happen, where things happen. But again, it's up to the, the dungeon master will often be sitting behind a screen, you know, still visible, but having their stuff hidden so that they, you know, so you don't spot things coming ahead to you and... Again, it's not just Dungeons and Dragons. That's the that's the um, version we've used because it's the most popular one out there. Yeah. But you name it, there's pretty much either a homebrewed one or an official RPG for every genre or intellectual property out there. And even some of the board games that are coming out are starting to come out with their own role-playing game rule set to follow. When I kick-started the latest Zombicide campaign, part of my campaign is a role-playing guide yes. to role-play Zombicide. And again, recently when Thunderbirds um, had its uh, cheap run at Christmas... We got a role-playing guide that we haven't had a chance to try yet for that, which could be a right laugh. I will say, I, I was I was going to bring that one up myself, actually, because that is... Uh, I, I'm not much of a role-play role player myself. Uh, one of the guys at... at that comes to that attends my club ran me uh, and other players obviously not just me a <laughs> Star Wars um, based role play and I loved it I was in there straight away as soon as I knew it was Star Wars and as soon as I found out that I could screw over the entire team by becoming a Sith it was going to happen um, and he came up with some really really cool rules uh, it was a homebrew on the original D6 uh, role play system and yeah some really cool rules that enabled me to have uh, a Sith sword which just ended up destroying everything <laughs> pretty much um and of course i succeeded in my overall mission to become a sith and uh yeah everyone in my on my team eventually after three seasons died uh all bar one player who's actually still alive in that system so uh we'll, we'll have to change that again another advantage to role-playing games people's characters don't necessarily have to die so if you, even if you stop a campaign and you pick up another one you know with a couple of people from the same group they can use your old characters as background characters or ones to interact with which just gives the players that little bit extra attachment and interest yeah without a doubt okay so that is role playing games Uh, there's a few examples there just to give you a rough idea of how that will work we will be covering role play games a lot more I think in the coming weeks um, on the podcast hopefully we'll have some people to come and guest as well we have quite a few people we know that run the role-playing games as well as play the role-playing games so exactly so we'll hopefully be able to give you a a real good in-depth look at how role-play works and how it appeals to people but now we're going to move on to that final category of the big four under the tabletop banner which is of course our speciality I think um, both of us are in love with things at the minute is board games. Now, the board games section has so many subcategories and genres of types of games that this podcast will probably be about 10 hours long. So we're not going to do that. We're going to pick out what we think is the the biggest, most popular ones that pretty much everyone knows and talks about. Yeah, um, and we'll try and, and skim the, um, the, the next sort of categories down from board games. I don't don't want to take away from our, the last three sections we've done this may come across a little bit more heavy because it's our natural expertise so we know a little bit more but even some of this we've learned about ourselves but we're just sort of going to skim through as many of the categories as we can with a few examples give you a rough idea of what each uh, what, what the differences are with each with each yeah. category uh, and one thing i'd like to start with though is beyond these categories of styles of board games one thing we talk about a lot are well two things sorry we talk about a lot 
are um, the types of board games. So I sort of see there's three styles. You've got player versus player, cooperative, and then the bit in the middle of semi-cooperative. Yes. And then the other thing we mention a lot is there are different sort of skill levels of the games. These, what we're about to talk about doesn't cover into that. Um, I think it more comes like with ease of getting into the gaming industry. So you have entry-level games, you have sort of casual games, and then the big high-end games. We'll try and mention when we see different things as we go along. So moving on to the actual categories that uh, the board games fall into. What would you say? Uh, what What's your first one that you want to bring up? Well, we start with um, we start with them in an alphabetical order, shall we? That sounds like a good idea. So, first one that we came up with were abstract games. So, these are board games with no theme at all, or it's very disconnected from the actual experience of the game. Drafts is a really and chess are two like really big examples like real classics you know there's no real themed but they've got a set of their name pieces with you know just a, a gameplay style that's easy to do yeah um, there are some modern ones um, that Azul games are like this and Santorini, um, the game. But unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to play any of those myself yet. Um, I've seen Azul being brought to our gaming group, so I know it's on the cards at some point. Yeah. But yeah, it's a bit more difficult to sort of go into more detail on those. Okay, so that, that is the abstract game variants. Um, the next one I would bring up is actually an area control style game. A quick, uh, quick summary of what these games are is board games with some form of map or board finding a space that players compete to dominate usually through adding their own pieces to regions or areas or removing opponents pieces sometimes the control can come through denying access to areas rather than taking them yourself uh, it could be argued that scrabble is an example of this genre i'm not really 100 percent i would put that in this category but i can also understand why it would fall in this category um a perfect example well-known example is probably risk yep Risk definitely 100% falls into this category. Uh, another big one that I know of is Small World. Yep. Um, and probably Blood Rage as well. On to the next one. Another one of my um, my real favourites. Campaign and Legacy Games. Oh, yes, you do like that. Yep. So these are um, games where you follow a series of scenarios or a series of missions one after the other. They don't all have to be played at once. But, you know, quite often, especially with the Legacy Games, one scenario will affect the next ones going forward. Legacy specifically are ones where your decisions and your actions throughout the game directly impact and affect what's going on forwards. Some of these games are, are, will often even require you to place down stickers or tear up cards or you know completely remove or add things into the games going forwards. My experience on this as a legacy game I got to play Charterstone. I'm actually going to get a recharge pack so we can play it again which is just another sticker pack. It gives The board gives you two, two goes at playing it. I loved that game and other examples of the, the legacy side of things are Pandemic Legacy and Betrayal Legacy. Awesome. So that is uh, campaign and legacy based games. Now onto one of my personal favourites um, and my favourite game currently of all time is actually in this category and that is Deck Builders. Now Deck Builders are where each player will start with their own identical deck of cards but that deck of cards will alter throughout the gameplay. The more powerful cards being added to the deck and the less powerful ones being removed. Deck Builders are sometimes confused 
used with deck construction games, which we will talk about in a minute, and can also be confused with things like trading card games, which we've already touched upon. With the difference being that deck builders, the act of creating and customising your deck is part of the core gameplay as opposed to building it before starting the game. So some examples of deck builders, um, I'm going to chuck out there straight away, is Legendary by Upper Deck. Um, I obviously love the Marvel version of that. Yep. Um, you have the ever-popular Dominion, Star Realms, and one of your favourite games recently. This kind of falls in this category. Toy um, Story. Which is Toy Story. I believe it's called Adventures and yeah, it and, was, and something else. It's uh, it was a fun... It was, it's designed as a simplified version of those games, but we discovered the hard way, the difficulty curve on those games was um, somewhat steep. <laughs> it was incredibly steep. But we did finish it. We did, eventually. So leading on from the deck builder ones, builds us on to deck construction games. These are games, very similar sort of style, but there are games where it, these are games where you um, start with a pool of options of cards um, and you build a deck before the game starts and you stick with your deck for most of that game. Um, there are obviously sometimes these games will let you add and change bits and pieces They're, they can often be a lot of these will be classed as living card games as well where you can buy specific expansions perfect example of this is recently I've really got into the Marvel Champions game idea of this the base game gives you four superheroes and I think three different villains but the, the basic pretense of that game is you have to have the four types of um, hero cards they were red, yellow, blue and green you pick a hero and you pick a colour and um you um, build a deck out of all of the cards of that colour and the colourless cards available to you. Once you have your deck sorted, you um, face off against the villains that you've put together. Again, Arkham, Co- Arkham Horror, the card game, I know it's a similar sort of fashion. And another popular living card game is Android Netrunner. The reason they're called living card games um, for these particular examples is because they continuously have expansions coming out, unlike like the trading card game side of things that we discussed earlier, which technically are also classed as deck construction games. The living card games, for example, Marvel Champions, I bought the Black Widow expansion the other day. It gave me Black Widow, her cards that went with it. They themed her around a particular colour. I think it was yellow. So they gave you a whole section of a, like a pre-constructed deck you could play straight out of the box into a campaign, or it gave you some additional cards of the other colours to change and build her with different colour combination options and um, a few extra villain bits to play around with so but every time you buy that Black Widow expansion you will get the same cards in that pack there's no variation cool Another one very popular game genre here is a dexterity game. Uh, I mentioned it at the open of the show. This was probably one of the ones that confused me the most when <laughs> I was first starting out in this hobby. And uh, to clarify on it now, because I have learnt, a dexterity game is basically, it involves physical skill, whether using a whole body, as in something like Twister Classic. As a child, obviously, it's very difficult for someone of my size to, to do that nowadays. Uh, or even just fingers for moving things about as in Jenga that that is also a dexterity game um, it can include flicking discs or other objects with your fingers like flick them up balancing things in games such as uh, Beast of Balance um, I believe you've got another game for balancing which was uh, Tokyo Highway so yeah the um, the big the big ones of, of that one for modern board gamers will probably be flick them up there's a, there's a fair few different versions of that Tokyo Highway was probably the, the latest one I know of a couple of other ones probably Catacombs I think that that's probably 
probably in there as well. Um, but yeah, quite quite a large amount of dexterity games out there. Yep. But that's just a, a few. Yeah. And on to the next one. Another one, another genre of games that I quite enjoy is um, called drafting. Now we sort of briefly covered on this with the trading card games because they have their own variation of this. Um, but drafting games are... Um, presented where you have hands full of cards that get passed around all of the players having to take one pass them on um, to build up what you're going to do on the following you know sequential turns and whatnot so everyone has a chance pretty much at a shared pool but obviously as the hands go around the the more desirable choices become less and less Uh, good examples of these seven wonders is a fantastically popular game Um, sushi go is one i have a copy of Um, great fun of trying to make sure you get the cards to pair up to get yourself the points and another one i backed on kickstarter a few years ago is villagers that's become an immensely popular game yes that was that was an incredibly popular game i remember when that one uh, that one hit kickstarter moving on to another one we have dungeon crawlers so these where the players take roles of characters making their way through a location or a section of maps or through pages of books defeating enemies as you go sometimes by companions apps or sometimes just by the rules of the games themselves the biggest example of these at the moment that everyone seems to adore and unfortunately we've not had the opportunity to play yet is Gloomhaven Imperial Assault another big one I've seen a lot yeah definitely um, well loved game where you, you've got a lot of the named heroes helping you out and like as many expansions and stuff you know it's very similar to what we've said in the legacy style things and the campaign based stuff but these are more specifically designed at pushing you through a mission you know building you that way cool okay so th- this is um, this is gonna, I'll move on to the next one which is probably going to be the biggest one that I think we're going to have to talk about which is Euro games I hear this mentioned all the time sometimes they refer to as Euros now Euro games yeah they're, they're, they're a huge thing basically they, they got their name because when, when these type of games first started coming out they they seem to emanate mainly from europe specifically germany now some key ones to mention here ticket to ride settlers of Catan. they are 100 percent in the euro game category some people will argue that but they are definitely in that category a little rundown of what um how euro game might be played they're strategy focused board games that prioritize limited randomness over theme usually competitive with interaction between players through passive competition rather than aggressive conflict. The main difference really here is that they uh, there is a stark contrast to the more thematic but chance-driven American-style board games of the time when these first came out. good example of this is looking at games like Thanos Rising that we mention a lot versus something like Ticket to Ride. Thanos Rising is... There's, there's luck based during the cards that are pulled out of the deck all the time. We've looked at this game in depth a lot between me and Jason the amount of times we've seen it we can almost tell a game is lost just by the opening nine cards around Thanos yes um, is bad and it's all dice based so you have no control on whether you roll the correct symbols even if you've got the right coloured dice you still only have a 50% odds of getting the symbol you need and it's quite often you know back down to one in six odds of you actually pulling what you need (laughs) to recruit or beat you know the different cards in the board whereas something like Ticket to Ride there is some luck on um, what card come out on the table but this pretense of that game is you're trying to get trains of the same sort of color to spend on completing the track lines um, you know and hitting their requirements so that your destination cards that you only know you know yourselves you know where you're trying to get your train tracks to connect to yeah. so the luck is pulled out of that game for that reason you, you, you know there's some luck in every game there always will be but it's really reduced so you feel like it's a strategic game where you're in control instead of going oh we lost because our dice failed yeah yeah exactly so uh, 
um, they're, they're they're without doubt the biggest the biggest games that I think we can mention uh, is Ticket to Ride and Settlers of Catan. Everyone seems to know them games. Carrying on with the theme, we have the polar opposite as well. You have push your luck games. So these are the ones where big risk, big reward. You know, if you, you if you try to keep like rolling your dice or keep pushing your luck as it is in the title, you may win the game or do something amazing. Or odds on you will get pushed to the back of a queue. Um, catastrophic. You know, a um, good example of this is a game called Zombie Dice, where yes. you are um, rolling dice. Uh, so you pull three dice out of a bag, and they are either coloured red, yellow, or green. So you have three, the three traffic light system dice, and they have better odds of getting the symbols you're after, which are the brains, and the you know lower odds of um, getting the attack damage, which is when you stop if you roll three so when you roll your dice you you keep any brains and you keep any hits the feet just let you re-roll and if you choose to carry on you draw dice again out the bag till you have three again and roll again the idea of the game is to get to 13 brains i believe yeah however if you roll three hits on yourself you don't score anything that round it goes on to the next player or of course, at any point, if you decide that you don't want to risk it anymore, you can bank the uh, the amount of brains that you have. That goes to your pool to add towards that thirteen that you get. As soon as you get to thirteen, that's the end of the game. Another good uh, good example of the uh, push your luck to games. We touched on a little bit last week with Paul, which was uh, Deep Sea Adventure. Yep. Very quick, brief rundown of the game, because it's been a little while since I played it. Uh, it's a submarine. All the players are diving for treasure. There is a track of different uh, coloured treasures. The deeper you go, the more power, you know, the more uh, more gold you're going to pick up. You're all sharing an oxygen tank. So, if you want to push your luck, as the title suggests, you can dive all the way to the bottom. The likelihood that you're going to get all the way up to the top before you run out of oxygen, pretty slim. For the more amount of gold that you have, the more amount of oxygen you're going to lose. So if you you could get all the way to the bottom and pick up a gold of five, but that then means you're going to be losing five oxygen per turn. So again, you can sort of see where the luck, pushing your luck of that comes in. Moving on to another category is roll and move. I think this is probably the most well-known type of board game. Game of Life and Snakes and Ladders, two more of your favourite games. Legend. (laughs) (laughs) To give you a more modern version of these games, two racing games that we like to, to reference, which is Formula D and the one that we've already mentioned today which is downforce it's a very sim it could be put in this category because you're not really rolling as opposed you know instead you're you're playing cards yeah. but it's still a very similar concept racing games fit into this category generally very well yeah without a doubt so formula d just as a quick rundown is um based off of racing in general but prioritizes formula one over it like the base game comes with the monaco grand prix and 10 race cars you have six different dice that represent six different gears on the car and you can um, move one gear up each turn um, or one gear down if you have to move more than that you end down you end up damaging your car i've only ever really got the chance to play this on like a basic mode where all sorts of damage just count to one big health pool on your car there is a competitive proper mode where you split into all the different things like steering brakes tires that sort of stuff but the pretense of the game is the higher the gear the further you're likely to move and you want to get around the course as quickly as you can however each corner has a limit stated on the corner of um, how many times your car has to stop in that that movement in the corner so shallow corners usually only need you to stop once so you may not even have to change gear at all if you planned your turns right others might require you to stop three times in like a 20 space limit so if you're right going in sixth gear where 20 spaces might be the average from one roll the you're not going to make it around that corner (laughs) and if you don't stop at least um 
at least one less than the turn requires. So an example, a three stop corner, you have to stop at least twice. Your car's just wiped out of the game. So there is some sort of strategy involved in doing it, but the slipstreaming and everything in that game. Now on to another one of my favorites is social deduction games. These often can end up being the life of the party because, um, you know, it's so fun trying to pit people against each other with bluffing, wild accusations, flying around the table with people often trying to figure out who's who. Great classic for this because it goes up to a huge amount of players for me is um, we have Spyfall 2, which can go uh, up to, I think it was something like, it's either 12 plus players. It's a crazy amount of players from what I remember. So you have a mat on the table, 16 locations, and one bag of these locations is pulled out of the box. Um, uh, one, At least one, depending on the number of players, potentially two spy cards are shuffled into a deck of these. You know, so you count out so that someone's going to get a spy card somewhere in there. And they're dealt out. And each of these cards either has just the word spy written on it, or you have a picture of one of those 16 locations with a, with a character to roleplay in the bottom. And this is a social deduction game of you have to ask questions around the, from player to to player you cannot ask the same player twice you know like in succession the spies have to work out where you are while everyone else is trying to work out who doesn't know where they are and who is who is the spy and it, it, it can be so funny sometimes with some of the continuous questions that come up <laughs> you know and just trying to pinpoint who who is the odd one out as it were yeah another popular one which is quite an amusing one that fits into this category it's also a co-op game as well a mission-based game is Battlestar Galactica um, and another big popular one that I haven't had the chance to try yet is one night ultimate werewolf so uh moving on the final category worker placement games this this is definitely a big one we've got a fair few games in our collection that fall into this category brief rundown on what this category is uh worker placement games are where you choose actions from spaces on the board by assigning your pool of workers air quotes often thematically you have uh, your worker meeples which you will use to deploy them about the board to to complete tasks um to blend in with a, another one we mentioned earlier usually euro games um with player interaction created because actions one player has taken often can't be taken by someone else so a couple of examples of these games one of our favorites is train based game is snowdonia yeah um another one of our favorites uh which ironically i got the uh the shipping notification for on my copy of it today which is dynagenics yes i did i so um yeah that's uh, that's worker placement games and even another one that comes into the category we mentioned earlier in the legacy games charterstone charterstone is a legacy yeah. worker placement game so um, actually that's the perfect example is that although we've been through all of these different categories and there are so many more we could have covered a lot of these games don't only fall into one category charterstone is your perfect example that you've given there worker placement games are often confused with euro games because they are very similar yeah. in that way and that's because they fall into both categories but again I want to stress um, many of these games will blur over the categories we've just tried to do a core example of what of what each um, genre is and why some games are listed as those as the primary thing but most games will fall into three or four of these categories it's just a, ba- a basic idea so you guys know what we're talking about when we mention all this terminology you know it might be teaching some of you to suck eggs you know but I mean we learnt stuff doing this the amount of times me and Jason have heard the term Euro games thrown around it's only in doing the research for this that we actually understood what specifically a euro game was as i said we own a lot but we see them as like worker placement or story games or because they fit under multiple banners exactly and that's that's perfectly summed up and it was actually a good reason why we decided to to go for this this style of podcast 
in the first place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we hope um, that's given you guys some good information and given you a better understanding of what all the different genres, subgenres, categories, whatever else you want to call them, of games is. I hope it shows that we're we're not completely clueless, uh, <laughs> although we do. We try our hardest to be. <laughs> we try our hardest to be, without a doubt. So, were there any games that you, you heard about um, in, in the podcast that you, you want to try? Let us know, without a doubt. And uh, if we've got a copy of those games, we'd love to play it with you at some point. You know, once all this is, uh, has oh. blown over, hopefully not too far now. And another thing is, um, if there's any subjects you want to hear sooner rather than later, we intend to go into detail of a lot more of what we've covered today. Um, as time goes on, we'll get more people in the very, you know, coming in and out to come and help us with that as well. But if there's anything you want specifically to hear soon or would like more information on soon, drop us a message. Um, we'll either, and hopefully we'll cover it sooner rather than later on the podcast. Failing that, we can also drop you a private message and just let you know what we know, you know. Yeah, without point a doubt. you in the right direction if we don't. Without a doubt. I mean, to give you a rough idea, we're not going to give any information away here, but we have got about 25 episodes written down that we want to cover, and it is covering every single version of tabletop, be it your war games, be it role play. We have a lot of plans, but like Ian said, if you want to hear it sooner rather than later, please do get in contact with us. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, just search for the podcast Recorded Gaming Community, or of course, if you want to email us, you can also do that at uh, Gaming Community at gmail.com. Or failing that, we have on our um, social media links to our Discord as well. Feel free to come join us there, join in the festivities, and have a chat with us. Without a doubt, yeah. Uh, one of us is pretty much always on there at some point if of the not. day or night. <laughs> Or if not, we'll see a message and drop your message back as soon as we can. Without a doubt. Awesome. So uh, I think we're going to close that section off. I would say that's all from us, but we would like to pass you over to our new team member. We would very much like to welcome you back to the show, Paul of the Mid-Sussex Meeples, who is going to be your new news correspondent, Kickstarter and events coverage guy. Um, so yeah, basically myself and Ian, we, we were struggling to, to keep up with all the news that was coming out on a weekly basis and maintain the recording yeah. um, and getting it out to you guys in a timely manner so you know Paul Paul has, has stepped in and he's going to help us out so thank you very much from us yep uh, been and, great uh, yeah it's been great we'll see you next week and over to you Paul thank you gents for having me back I must have done something right and uh, here's some news that's piqued my interest this week we're going to head over to Stonewire Games now. Uh, they've brought us great titles like Viticulture, Scythe and Wingspan. And they've announced their latest release, Pendulum. Pendulum is set to be a competitive, turnless worker placement, real-time optimization game. Designed by Travis Jones with art by Robert Leesk. It's for 1-5 to five players and takes about 60-90 to 90 minutes to play. Pendulum is their highest rated prototype when Stonewire held their Games Design Day earlier in the year. Pre-orders will go live at the beginning of August, with release set for later in that month. No word on price as yet, but you can head over to stonewiregames.com to find out more information.
With the success of Disney Villainous, they announced earlier in the year at the New York Toy Fair that they will be releasing Marvel Villainous Infinite Power. You get to take on the Marvel Universe as an iconic comic book villain. Each villain follows a unique path to victory. Each uses different abilities to face other villains and mighty heroes across the universe. Players move their villains to different locations within their own domain, carry out the actions there and deal twists of fate to their opponents from a shared fate deck. Three characters were initially announced as Healer Ultron and Thanos, and they've recently announced that Killmonger and Taskmaster will both be joining them in the core box. Taskmaster may not be known to many of you, but he will feature heavily in the Black Widow movie released later in the year. It's still unsure whether the Disney and the Marvel versions will be compatible, but I'm sure some ardent fans out there will be happy enough to get some rules in place for us at some point. All we need now is Star Wars Villainous to complete the Disney trifecta, and we're well away. The game set to release on July 26th with a recommended retail price of £27, so get hold of your friendly local gaming store and get your copy ordered. We're going to head on over to Kickstarter now. First up is Rallyman Dirt, the expansion to Rallyman GT. It's on Kickstarter now, it's already funded, and it's for 1-6 to six players. You can grab the core box, £45 plus shipping, or if you want to go all out and get GT as well, as well as all the expansions planned to release with this set, as well as all the expansions that were released with GT, you're going to have to fork out £190. Good luck to you. Also out now, and already funded, is Catapult Kingdoms. As a child, have you ever built brick fortresses and thrown things at each other to knock them all down? Well, this is the board game for that. It's for one to two players, or teams. The base set comes with a couple of catapults, and is costed at £29. And if you want the deluxe set, which comes with an extra couple of ballistas and a couple of battering rams, with a collection of extra walls and pieces, that's going to set you back £49. Set to end on July 27th, so get on over and have a peek. As of recording, the next few haven't actually gone live yet, but they should do if you're listening to this. Perseverance Castaway Chronicles is from Mind Clash Games. They've brought us games such as Anachrony, Trakirion and Cerebria. And this game features the first two episodes in a legacy style game with Euro dice drafting, dice placement, strategy. It takes place in a modern day luxury ocean liner as it crashes ashore on an otherworldly island. You'll need to establish a foothold on the island and withstand the onslaught of the dinosaurs. Yes, I said dinosaurs. And so the seeds of what will one day become a strong and tenacious community on the mysterious island. Also released is Ascension Tactics. It's a miniatures deck building game from Stoneblade Entertainment. Ascension Tactics is a revolutionary new game pioneering a brand new genre by combining the best of tactical miniatures with a fast-paced strategy of deck building games. Ascension Tactics brings the most iconic characters from the award-winning deck building game of Ascension to life as highly detailed printable 3D miniatures set for one to four players. Also live now is Dead Reckoning from AEG. They've brought us games such as Love Letter, Istanbul, Space Space and Tiny Towns. Their latest game is a game of exploration, piracy and influence based in a Caribbean-esque setting. Each player commands a ship and crew and seeks to amass a great fortune. Who wouldn't as a pirate? They do this through pirating, trading, treasure hunting and importantly capturing and maintaining control over the uninhabited resource-rich islands in the community. One to four players, 90 to 150 minutes. 
July 14th brings us The Night Cage from Smirk and Laughter Games. Trapped and crawling your way through a pitch black labyrinth equipped with nothing but dim candles, you must work together to explore the maze and escape. Unfortunately, your weak candlelight illuminates only your immediate surroundings. Worse still, horrifying wax eaters, monsters who despise the light, lurk in the suffocating darkness for their opportunity to strike. The Night Cage is a fully co-op, horror-themed tile placement game that traps one to five lost souls within an unnatural labyrinth of eternal darkness. To win, players must collect a key, find a gate and escape as a group. The game set to last between 40 and 60 minutes. The next game is called Quinn, Q-U-I-N. It's set to release later on in August from Arch and Gravity Publishing. It's an abstract tabletop strategy game taking place in a sci-fi quantum realm. It's described as future space chess. Players control a variety of quark particles, 17 on each side, made up of nine different distinct types with speed powers and capture abilities. The goal of Quinn is to reach first sight center with your light or to capture your opponent's light. Your pieces are always faced away from your rival, making deception and memory two of the most important skills to use. It's for two players. It takes 15 to 45 minutes to play. And if you'd like more information on the game, head over to quinthegame.com. Hopefully that's piqued your interest and given you something to consider in the week ahead. I shall be back next week, hopefully, uh, with some more news. Thanks again, guys, and speak to you soon. Okay, guys. I think we're gonna we're gonna call the show there. We hope you've enjoyed everything you've heard. If you do like what you've heard, please do leave us a five star Apple Podcast review. Share and subscribe to this podcast to receive all of our future content. And unless you've got anything to add, Ian, I think we're gonna call it. No, I'd like to say thank you to everyone again for all of the support at the moment and to stay well and stay safe. Couldn't agree more. And just a little cheap plug at the end there. If you haven't already got it. We now have the podcast with Crawley Gaming Community t-shirts and also Crawley Gaming Community t-shirts available on Amazon. Hit them up, share your lo- share the love, show people how much you love the show, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. See you all. Have a good week.